You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to the SBNY Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Apple Google Play, SoundCloud, and on Spotify. Today's show, we do have quite the topics to talk about. Unfortunately, one of them being a slightly negative topic, to, to put it frankly, and that's the New York Knicks. Um... Unfortunately, they continuously teach us that the old phrase, all press is good press, is just not true. Because when it comes to the New York Knicks, they don't seem to have much good press. They had some good press when they beat the Mavericks uh, about a week or so ago now. Feels like a month ago with all the negative that has come out this week. Obviously with the, the angling of the front office to fire David Fisdale, which off the bat... I just don't think makes a lot of sense. Uh, firing coaches after 90 games doesn't seem like a strategy to set you up for success. But not to get too deep into that just yet. We will get into that as the podcast goes on. And a quick heads up. Originally, I planned on doing this podcast a little differently. I planned on talking some NFL before getting John Lucas Duffy on the podcast with me to talk Knicks and talk some NBA stuff. But thinking about it now, uh, listening back after I recorded, I think it's more important to get this Knicks stuff out early because it's important right now for New York fans. It's important right now for basketball fans. It's a, it's a very iffy situation, and it's not particularly getting better. Uh, so if you're listening to the podcast and the, the order seems off and I talk about at the end how I recorded this after the basketball segment, just throw it out of the door. Just forget about it because I switched up the, the order quick for you guys. And that's not to say that the NFL stuff and the Jets and Giants stuff that I'm going to talk about is not important, because it is. The NFL season is past the halfway point. We're into the double-digit weeks. It's getting cold out. It's starting to get real. Um, The Jets and Giants played this past weekend, and it was way more fun than I expected, and I had a great time watching the game. And also, the NFL in general is crazy. I mean, look at that Seahawks 49ers game. It was off the charts So I will talk Giants, I will talk Jets, and I will go through my Super Bowl bubble, but that's going to be after the Knicks and NBA talk that goes on with John Lucas Duffy um, for a bit in this podcast. I just, I sat back after recording and I thought to myself, what's more important? What do the listeners want to hear right now? And I could be wrong. (laughs) I mean, it could be the NFL stuff that you want to hear more about, but uh, unfortunately, misery becomes a thing that people can't take their eyes off of, and the Knicks are the definition of just that. Uh, so if you disagree with me and you think maybe uh, the order should be changed up back to the NFL first, a great way for you to tell me what you think and how you can affect this podcast and support this podcast is to hit me up on Apple Podcast app with a subscribe, with a rating and review. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. Tell me what you think you can be better um, and how I could really change this podcast uh, to make it best for you guys, the listeners, because that's why I do it. I love doing this. I love getting these reps in, practicing my craft here, uh, but also providing you guys with some fun content. So here on the Sports Blog New York podcast today, I will be joined with John Lucas Duffy right after the intro music. And then after that, stay tuned for some NFL talk, Giants, Jets, and the Super Bowl bubble um, that exists that is quite large right now in the NFL because there's a lot of good teams, a lot of competitiveness, a lot of good games. But without further ado... Let's make this happen. It's the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Joining me, John Lucas Duffy. And then after the NBA talk comes the NFL talk on the Jets and Giants. So Sports Blog New York podcast, everybody sit back, relax, subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, just very simple, stay tuned.
now it's time to bring in my guy, John Lucas Duffy, JLD, NBA outsider himself, my handy-dandy co-host from across the river in New Jersey, John Lucas Duffy. What's going on over there, brother? What up, what up, Petey? How you doing? Dude, thrilled to talk to you. Not so thrilled to talk about our subject. Uh, And I think that might just set up everything you need to hear. If you didn't know the topic, say you passed out on your bus ride and you just woke up for this part of the podcast here, you may not know what we're talking about. Now you know, because I just told you how upset I am that we have to talk about this subject, the New York Knicks stuff. The New York Knicks in the news for uh, not so great reasons here, huh? Is that shocked. is that shocking to you? I mean, Shock. I am shocked. I am floored. Floored. Floored is the perfect word. Uh, as I'm working my regular work day, you know, grinding it out uh, as a employee of the company I work for, just working hard on a Monday, and I get text Fizz Fizzdale fired. Yo, what's going on? Is Fizz fired? Yo, what's going on with the Knicks right now? What is Mills saying? And I'm like, what is going on? I open up Twitter. I start trying to dig down deep. Is Fizz actually fired? I don't think he is, but are they saying he's going to get fired? It was an absolute wreck of a, of a moment for the Knicks on a Monday after getting annihilated by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Duff, I just need to ask you the simplest question here. Like, When you heard this news and you heard that this was going on, was your reaction to chuckle and be like, here we go? Like, what did you think when you heard all of this shenanigans going on? It, I kind of laughed at first, and then I got really annoyed because I, I I'm disappointed because for since Fizz has been with the Knicks, we've kind of just been singing his praises. Like, this is the guy you want as a leader for your team. He's vocal. He's out there. He knows the game. He's well respected by the top players, including LeBron James, who Fizz was assistant coach for in Miami with Spo, and he was around Pat Riley. So he he has the pedigree for the position he's got the respect of elite players so why why would the Knicks be questioning their decision and feeling badly about it you know what 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 would what would lead to this situation and basically Pete you and Frank filled me in on it and just were like well apparently Mills is is in Dolan's ear saying like this team should be competing for for a playoff position you know, I don't, I don't know how this could happen. I think it's Fizz's fault, and they're basically just trying to pass the buck on the guy. I feel terrible. You know, what, what did you think when you heard this news? Well, I, I first got an inkling of it when I got, I had a, a mention from a, a follower. I'll pull, pull up his name. He's a good follower of mine. Uh, we chat a good amount of Knicks on Twitter on the Twitter.com, and he, he just basically was like, "What's your opinion on this press conference uh, from Mills and Perry?" Perry's kind of standing off the side. Mills talking about the effort and how it's unacceptable and whatever. And he basically, he thought Mills threw him under the bus, like off the bat. And this was before the Woj report came out um, with the Knicks, you know, angling to release or fire David Fisdale and this whole thing. And when Woj says something, it's not BS. So off the bat, I'm trying to put these things together. Woj is saying something about them angling to fire him and they've been planning for it. And I'm just saying like, I don't even care about what David Fisdale has been doing. This was the first thing that I thought of. I could care less if David Fisdale has been doing a great job, an okay job, a terrible job. It is not the recipe for success to fire a coach after 90 games. There is no way that your franchise can consistently get better and better and better to become the team you want to be where free agents want to come play here. And I mean real free agents. I don't mean Marcus Morris. I don't mean Taj Gibson. 
Not that I hate those guys. I mean stars. I mean guys who can make an all-star team level free agents. You don't get those guys. You don't get better when you fire a coach between one and two seasons over and over and over again. This is. I think this is going to be the ninth. If say that not is going to be if they fire Fizz this season, it's going to be the ninth coach of like the decade. Duff. So my first reaction was a little bit of annoyed. Uh, an annoyed reaction, and it was because I don't even care about the contents of David Fisdale's coaching performance thus far this year. I just care about the instability and inability to make proper decisions with this organization. The way that the Knicks coaching carousel, it, 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 it's it's kind of reminiscent of the NFL to me, the way they those teams, they churn coaches in and out, and that's just because the pressures... It, it, it just constantly builds. There's only 16 games, so every loss is is even that much more glaring for those coaches. Whereas in the in the NBA, there's 82 game season. Obviously, you see a lot of stuff over the course of the year, and a lot you can see a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff, and it all kind of gets muddled together, right? So you rarely see coaches with that type of turnover so quickly. And in it's you think I I think of Fizdale and the Knicks, and the only comp. I can logically come to with, with someone like Fizz who should be taken seriously as a head coach is like Brett Brown on the, on the Sixers where they, the Sixers anointed him the head coach. And they said, look, Hinky basically sat him down. I was like, we're going to suck. We're going to suck a lot. And you're just going to kind of have to gr- like grit your teeth and bear it. And then we're going to get good players and we're going to have a good team. And that's, it's, it's, it's going to be great after that. And that's pretty much what happened. I mean, his record, is 184 wins and 317 losses as a career head coach, and he's coached 500 games for the same team. Like and that's ju- kind of insane. That's and he, he really just coached, unprecedented. He just coached in a conference finals too. But by the way, who? Brett Brown. No, they lost in the second round. No, they lost. Didn't they lose in the in the conference finals? Mm-hmm. No, conference the, finals was Bucks Raptors last year. The Raptors beat the Bucks in the conference finals. I thought it was the other way around. You sure? Yeah, man. Pretty sure. All right. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> sorry, yeah, to, so sorry, sorry to ruin that's your, kind of the approach <laughs> that the, ruin your mojo there. <laughs> yeah, that's the approach the Knicks kind of should have take should have taken to this because they obviously weren't going to be good last season. They weren't going to be good this season. I was killing them for their free agency signings and you were kind of like talking me off the ledge like, "All right, this is just one year. They retain cap flexibility for the future." And I was sort of like, "Yeah, but they can't do anything now." Like what the Nets did, they can, you know, take on bad contracts and get a first round pick along with it. And then hopefully draft a guy like a Jared Allen or a Karis Levert with a, with a late first round pick, something like that. And they didn't leave themselves any wiggle room for that kind of thing. And it's no wonder that the effort from the players hasn't been good, like to Mills's point, but you, you said get legit legitimate free agents that could be all stars one day, whatever, you know, they couldn't even, they couldn't even get Marcus Morris. He wanted to go to the Spurs, and then something weird happened with his deal. He backed out, and he ended up on the Knicks. Like, he didn't even want to go there, and he's a loose cannon. And that was something everyone knew, and then he goes to the Celtics where there's more stability, and he is more level-headed playing for a contract. And now you see, like, the antics that he goes out with, with where he's slamming the ball or hitting people in the head with it, whatever. And you think – you look at guys like Dennis Smith Jr., you look at uh, Alonzo Trier, R.J. Barrett, uh, Alfred Payton, like all those guys kind of do the same thing. So you have four guys who are really 
ball handlers who can initiate offense, right? In and, theory. And can't shoot. So what? And can't shoot. And can't shoot. So what what are those four guys supposed to do? How are they supposed to play together? You can only play one of them at a time. There's four of them. So there's going to be three that are always unhappy. So not to mention the power forward debacle. So what what are what is Fizdale supposed to do about that? Is my question to you. Do you 100%. think he was set up for success here? Absolutely. I, I don't think he was set up with great success as a possibility. What I do think he was set up to have is have a bunch of people who need to prove themselves in this league in order to make the money they want to make or to earn the respect they want to earn. There's a lot of people on this team whose future is not is not a sure thing, right? You Like Marcus Morris doesn't know what he's getting next year. Taj Gibson doesn't know what he's getting next year. Uh, Reggie Bullock, who hasn't played a game yet for the Knicks, doesn't know what he's getting next year. Wayne Ellington, same thing. Bobby Portis, same thing. These guys can, can really do a, a great deal for their career if they showed – uh, great effort, great team basketball, and the ability to put up some stats. Obviously, stats are important for individual players. So in the sense of, of actual effort, I think he was handed a decent like set of people who have something to prove in this league. Same thing with Dennis Smith Jr., Alfred Payton. Uh, RJ Barrett's a rookie, so you kind of keep him out of this for now. Frank Nielakina, like... He's another guy who, like, he could be out of the league in two years. Like, that's like, it's if the, if those guys can't come to the basketball court every night and play hard, is it just a bad bunch of guys, or is there no direction from the coaching staff and from David Fisdale? It's not something I have enough information uh, to give out. But as far as success and him figuring out a way for this team to play offensively and defensively, it's tough. It is tough. I mean, we're in a positionless basketball. Uh, era now where there is as much fluctuation as as ever but he still is missing shooters like he doesn't have a lot of shooters and he doesn't have guys who can really handle the ball for an entire game Dennis Smith Jr. has also missed a bunch and he's probably and and Alfred Payton's been hurt too so I mean the two point guards who are supposed to be the one and two starting point guards this year have been hurt and missed probably uh, combined 10 games already this year at least so, I mean, he hasn't been handed a good hand, but also when you watch this team and you look at some of the stats about what they do on the off, on offense as far as schematics, they don't do anything. They run the most one of the, uh, some of the most isolations in the league, yet they're one of the worst isolation teams in the league. So like something's got to give. The players aren't great, but there needs to be effort and there needs to be some sort of direction here and the team with no one who should be running iso ball running the most isos in the league. So I don't think David Fisdale has been perfect, but I do understand that he's been handed a crappy hand. So I don't I don't want to fire David Fisdale yet. I think it's silly. You're going to bring in an interim head coach? What's he going to do? What's an interim head coach going to do? You know, like maybe Jim Boylan and the Bulls, they're, they're not looking terrible. They play pretty hard. So maybe if there's a guy like that, like we all dumped on Jim Dolan and made fun of him for making them run sprints. But you know what? When I watch the Bulls, they play hard and they're not a good team either, Duff. So yeah, the hand was not dealt very well to David Fisdale, but the Knicks don't always play hard. They play like two good quarters a game, maybe. So and what, what do you, I don't even know what to say. Well, and to your point, I don't think anyone from the Knicks really has a set plan. I don't, you know, Mills, Perry, Fisdale, I don't think any of them have a have a realistic plan set out step by step, which is which is bad. So right off the bat, none of them none of them really have a, a good idea of what they're doing. Plus, 
there's no like and there's no alignment so it's not even like they're all agreed upon a bad plan it's just like a bad plan would be better is better than no plan at this point and to your point about Boylan, like an interesting thing i heard on uh zach lowe's podcast when zach levine went on there and he said last season when Boylan came came as the interim coach what they did was they basically tore tore the offense down they're like all right we're gonna play through the post like we're gonna play the most basic brand of nba basketball we can and we basically have to learn to crawl before we can walk so they they were playing through the post and then they expanded they expanded now they're playing fast now they're shooting threes now they're doing the modern pace and space uh basketball that everyone else is doing so at least he came in with a plan i don't think he's a particularly good coach they're obviously not a particularly good team but they play hard and at least he had a plan so i think again we harp on it all the time i think it all comes down to ownership really i don't think james dolan cares about basketball or sports in general he loves music he loves entertainment i went to the garden this fall late summer early fall and for a concert and it's like awesome place you know i I said to the person i was with i was like man james dolan terrible owner but man this is a cool experience just going to see a concert like i I, it really is awesome and it shows it showed before the show even started i i could really feel an appreciation for it and when you go for basketball it's completely different fields and i really feel bad for you and the rest of knicks fans out there it's it's yeah, well, it's ten I mean, games into the, the season, you guys are already talking about tearing it down. It's I, crazy. I, it's crazy, but I also think like that's part of the problem. Is like I don't know. I think sometimes New York fans and Knicks fans in particular can get like this pass as being some great fan base, and I don't like. I, there are fantastic Knicks fans out there. They're obviously with every fan base. Sometimes it's the loud minority who uh, make the rest, of the rest of the fans look bad, a la Philadelphia. Like not everybody from Philadelphia is like a rat scumbag. Like you may hear on the on like the when you you hear about that. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I went to Xfinity Live for for an Eagles game, unrelated story, and uh, th- when they were playing the Bears and. Not five minutes after the game ends, or t- ten minutes, whatever. Game ends, we're leaving to go to the car. And as we're walking out, a fist fight just breaks out in the middle of Xfinity. And it's just Eagles fans fighting each other after they won a game. <laughs> being, like, forced out by the bouncers as we're leaving. I'm... And they're be- literally being dragged past us as we have to, like, hug the wall. Because they're still trying to go at it. It was completely ridiculous i mean correct me if i'm wrong an eagles fan tried to fight mike scott because he grew up in dc and is a redskins fan and went to the eagles redskins game in a redskins jersey he plays for the sixers i think the sixers are a little bit different and he's one he's one of the toughest mfers out there mike scott you don't f with mike scott he did not back down and the, the, the mike scott hive is alive and well yeah uh I, I that that was a weird thing. I think the Sixers fans are a little a little different than I mean certainly than Eagles fans. Oh, I mean, and, yeah. I mean basketball fans are usually a little bit better than than you know passionate football fans. Basketball fan passionate basketball fans who are annoying, you slide into your Twitter mentions. They don't try to fight you. You know it's it's a little different. Than yeah, they troll on fans. Twitter. They don't try to fist fight you. But like I said, so back to the back to the point here. Like New York fans in the national media get a lot of love sometimes. Like oh you know what Knicks fans just have the best fan base and this and that. But, like, you go on Twitter, you talk to friends, you go to the stadium, and, and I know the crowd in the Madison Square Garden does not always represent the real Knicks fan. So that's, but that's part of the problem because this organization that very much so is reactive and not proactive, they hear the cries from Madison Square Garden on a Tuesday night where it's 60% tourists, and they're like, oh, 
We got to play Frank Nielakina. Oh, we got to fire David Fisdale. Oh, they're saying sell the team, ban the whole stadium. Like that, but that's not like that's not the real fan. Like the real fan is trying to be realistic here. The real fan was going into this season saying, "We're not a playoff team. We're not going to win 35 games. We're going to win 30 maybe, and hopefully we are just better than last year. Hopefully we're more respectable than last year." All I've said throughout this entire offseason is that we did not we struck out. We swung and missed on getting the big name free agents, but we got professional basketball players. That's how I felt. That's how I still should feel right now. But when you watch this team, they don't play like a professional basketball team. There's a bunch of individual professional basketball players playing out there, systemless with their chickens without like chickens without a head. So, I what I wanted was a pretty simple ask, and they can't figure it out. Do I think they should tear it down? No. Do I think they should tr- uh, trade anything they can to get any sort of picks they can? Absolutely. But firing David Fisdale back to the main point is just way too aggressive when a bad team that was supposed to be bad starts off two and eight. Duff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of business as usual in terms of like record, but. To your point, when they watch, when you watch the game, it doesn't look good. There's no cohesiveness. That no one's playing together. There's no plan. So it, it's it's doesn't really look like a professional basketball team. It looks like a like a weird AAU team when you watch them play. Absolutely, and that's a great it's, call. It's disappointing. It's disappointing. But we'll we'll continue to see what what happens with this team as as the year goes on. To move on to a real professional basketball team in the Northeast, the Boston Celtics now hold the Best record in the NBA at eight and one, uh, followed by the Lakers at seven two and the Nuggets at seven two. But the Celtics, best record in the NBA right now. Not sure if they're the best team, but we'll get to that later. Uh, and Gordon Hayward, he suffers an injury. He breaks his wrist or his hand. Which was it? Uh, his hand, I believe. His hand, and he'll be out for about six weeks. They said he went under surgery, so it's going to be at least six weeks, probably closer to two months. Uh, but this team, luckily for them, is extre- and it's been a hot point of contention that they have a ton of depth at the small forward position between Hayward, Tatum, and Brown. Uh, so now, I, you know, Pete, what do you think about the Celtics so far? And then, what do you, how do you think uh, the Hayward injury is going to affect them uh, over the next couple months here? Well, I think right now it's looking like possible six weeks, which will be a huge win when you ever you hear something breaks, right? So six weeks wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but say extend surgery, I just add two weeks, right? So let's just say two months, cool. right? Yeah, we could just say two months. That's a good. That's a good call. Uh, I think what we know now is that this is a Brad Stevens coach basketball team, and we talked about a collection of players playing like individuals on the New York Knicks. Now we look at the old school Brad Stevens. I say old school, I mean just flashback to like three years ago. Yeah, but no the, superstar. The true Brad Stevens coach team where there's a bunch of guys who are pulling in the same direction, who are no slouches, if not pretty damn good, uh, but there's seems to be less ego on the basketball court uh, than there was last year. And I don't know if you want to blame all of it on Kyrie. Maybe Kyrie, in a way, when he wasn't even being a jerk, was just as a presence putting unwarranted and unneeded pressure on these other guys, if that makes any sense. But when you watch this team, they're easy. They're like a smooth, easy-going team that doesn't really uh, get too high or too low. Kemba Walker has been as advertised, the guy, the great shooter, slasher, leader that he was in Charlotte just with no help around him. And I think this makes perfect sense. Now, do I think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference? And would I ever bet on them in the playoffs to win it all uh, in regards to the Eastern Conference right now? Probably not. But I now believe that they can be a number one seed. 
I now believe that they could, over the course of a season, have the least amount of di- like dips, right? The l- least amount of values, the most peaks, consistency yeah, steady, throughout consistent. the time. And I think that's Brad Stevens. And what you said on the Over Under podcast was, this is going to go back to a Brad Stevens coach team, and here we are. Yeah, and the one thing that they're still missing is a big man. They Their centers right now are Robert Williams, who's just – too young and not ready yet. Enos Cantor, who plays no defense. Uh, and also hasn't really matter. played yet. He has, he's has he been hurt yeah. basically the whole season. Yeah, No, I'm just thinking big picture. Here. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. I'm just saying. And uh, Daniel Tice, who, like, that's weird to call. I wouldn't really call him a center. He's listed as a center, but just consider him more like a stretch four, especially at 6'8". Uh, that's one thing they're going to have to address as they move forward. And they, you know, we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. This is going to be an opportunity for guys like Romeo Langford and uh, Carson Edwards to get more into the mix here. And I'm interested to see what those guys have to offer. I haven't heard any good things about Langford, really, even though he's he Mr. Basketball State of Indiana. He went to University of Indiana, basically got hurt there, was disappointing and uh, on, on a n- not very good team. And Carson Edwards, who obviously lit it up like we haven't seen since Steph Curry in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, you know, that, that was a guy I was super high on uh, pre-draft just because, you know, when you look for – guys in the middle to late rounds uh or middle late first round you're not always you're not going to find you know zion williamson there right so you can't just look for the superstar talent you kind of want to just look for okay i want to find a guy who can who has a legitimate nba skill like what is this guy does he have one nba ready skill is he great vision does he rebound well defend the rim you know, now Carson Edwards, his skill is he makes NBA threes. He makes NBA mm-hmm. shots off the dribble, catch and shoot. You know, that's that's what I'm excited to see from him. And uh, I, I think, you know, they're obviously not going to be, you know, win, winning eight games out of every nine without Gordon Hayward. But I, I expect them to still continue to be above 500 in his Absolutely. absence. So squarely in the top four, top three in the East, uh, especially now with Chris Middleton from the Bucks, who – who uh, her, he has a thigh contusion, left thigh contusion, upper thigh contusion, whatever that is. But that basically means a bruise, right? But he's yeah. listed as out for three to four weeks. Yeah. So I, it makes I you think, I, it's think like I heard it's also yeah. something with the hamstring. I, I, may, I may be making yeah. that up, but I feel like I heard It's a little fuzzy, those, those leg injuries sometimes. Yeah. And also, let me, let me add something with the Celtics here. Jalen Brown. I mean, a guy who has shown confidence – uh, throughout his career, and clearly has this grand look of himself, where he looks at like his career as an arc where he's going to reach the highest levels. Right, he's going to be an All Star. He's going to be in the talks for a top twenty player. That's how Jalen Brown looks at himself. Now, I don't know if his ceiling is quite quite that high. I think most people would still believe Tatum is better, but you gotta love Jalen Brown's demeanor on the court. I mean, I've watched like maybe two and a half full, like two full, and like some pieces of Celtics game and then a bunch of highlights. And I I think his energy and his confidence has been one step up than it has been in, in the recent history. And I think that's huge for the Celtics because he's not, he's he's never really a pouty guy, but he's especially not pouting now. He knows he can uh, fly here and he's putting it together in a way that we all thought he kind of could, but has never quite done in the past. I've loved Jalen Brown so far this year. Yeah, and after last season, understandably, it will, his rookie year, he averages like six points. He only plays 17 minutes, right? He's really raw coming out of college. Next year, he's, all, he's playing 30 minutes. 
averaging 14 and a half points and shooting 40% from three, which was kind of insane. You expect him to take a step back third year, shooting 34%, 13 points a game. That was the weird Kyrie season where he's just out there doing weird Kyrie shit. And now this year he's only shooting 30% from three, but he's averaging 20 points and seven rebounds and he's shooting 53% from the floor, which is pretty impressive considering the terrible three point percentage he's got going on right now. I expect that to improve, but you like the way he's trending, right? And yeah, now I he's mean, in the fourth year of his deal. So he, he expects big things from himself. And I think he's really kind of pressing the issue here to to prove it. And I, I appreciate that about him. And he's up to five free throws a game. And I mean, the Celtics, though, are such though, an important and underrated stat. And especially is, is fouls. And, and, and people just dog uh, Harden for it because he does it like so absurdly to the nth degree. But it's it's an opportunity at A, it's free points, and you B, you stop the clock, C, you get a rest, and D, you put the other team in foul trouble. So it's 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 like it affects the game in so many more ways than just than just you know one or two points here and there. And if you want to talk about having a plan, Duff, and we were talking about the Knicks not having a plan, Jalen Brown to me is a guy who has a plan. We're talking about a guy who had a really weird season after a great sophomore season. Uh, really weird season with Kyrie last year. We all understand that. It's a tough tough spot, all this stuff. He came in this year. He's not only shooting more than two free throws uh, per game than he ever has before, but he's also shooting 77% from free throw right now, where his previous career high was his rookie year at 68%, only attempting one and a half per game. That tells me that this offseason, he was like, I am physical, I am athletic, I need to use that to my advantage. And when you look at the Celtics as a whole, Tatum doesn't get to the free throw line as much as he should. Uh, Kemba, you know, he does, for, but he's a little guy, you don't want him doing it to a crazy uh, degree because, you know, he's, like you said, is a slight guy. Um, but also, the bigs don't really get to the free throw line as much. And getting there, like you said, it's three points is really important. And Gordon Hayward, at his peak, when he was Utah Gordon Hayward, was a free throw machine. So now losing him, having Jalen Brown as that slasher who's going to be strong and finishing strong and shooting 77% from free throw, that is uh, even better than what 19 points uh, on its own can be. Those points are extra valuable in today's NBA. Yep, and... Now to move on from the Celtics. I mentioned it early, but you know they have the best record in the NBA. I don't think either of us believe that they're the best team in the NBA, and you pretty much said that before. Yeah, so, and obviously when we talk about the East, it's the Bucks, it's the Sixers, and then right outside that would be the Heat and the Raptors. Does that sound about fair? But the Celtics uh, have solidified I them. I would go Sixers, then Bucks. Fair, same. But I, I meant in like a tier standpoint. It would sure, be sure, Sixers, sure. Bucks, and maybe Celtics in that top tier now, where we thought they were a tier below, and then the tier below would be Raptors and Heat. Yeah, I'd be, I'd have it pretty much the same. Sixers, Bucks, maybe Celtics, and then I would have the Celtics kind of on their own. Yes. And then with like the Heat and whoever else you want to put after that. Yeah, which I think is a great um, win for the Celtics early on. Continue. And then Pacers, honestly, if the Pacers like can keep up like barely over five hundred, and then have Oladipo just be waiting in the wings, that's a good spot for them. Uh, but in the West, I mean, I, I would still say that the best, at least two, maybe three top three teams are all in the West with, uh, the Lakers, the Clippers and the Nuggets. Uh, what do you think of that? Yes. Yeah. You agree? Yes. So we still think that it's still Western conferences like the big boy league. My pause came from 
the question to include maybe the Jazz or maybe the Rockets. But I think if you want to go big three, I'm gonna wait on the Rockets. That's fair because they maybe they, if you want to th- if you want to toss the Jazz in, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna toss them in yet. I'm not gonna do it yet. Um, because right now the Jazz still have they're five and zero at home. They're two and three on the road. That's like the same old old news right there. Whereas the Nuggets are three one at home. That's old news, but good news. But they're four and one on the road. Like yep. I know it's a really small sample size. It's so early, but with the Jazz and Nuggets, we talked about this in the Over Under podcast. They're locks at home. They're so good at home. Uh, on the road is where they really can boost up their record. So Jazz got to keep proving that their offense is going to click and find its way. They've been doing a better and better job. I love Bojan. Conley's going to figure it out. So I'm not worried about the Jazz. But continuity wise, I'll continue to leave the Nuggets above, and I'll leave I'll leave the Jazz in the Celtics tier, where they're just sure. they're right there. Like a tweener. Yeah, they're a tweener. They could make it in. But they're not there yet. Yeah, they're they're better they're better than the Mavs and the Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Blazers, but they're not quite as good as the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. And the reason I would have the Nuggets over the Jazz also is because they have a, they have a star, they have a star player in in Jokic who came into the season just fat as hell, <laughs> which I respect. But he's he's already <laughs> seeming seeming to play his way into shape, and he's he doesn't lose to if you watch him at the end uh, of games like he's involved, he's fighting oh, yeah. for rebounds, he's. He's like he, he's showing effort. Like he he doesn't look like he's really laboring up and down the court like we've seen with other big men. Who's it's it's like glaringly obvious when they're out of shape. And he's like he's he's weird. Like he, he kind of reminds me of uh, Andy Ruiz, the boxer. Yeah. Okay. When he beat when he not, beat not as um, quick twitch, but yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. What what what's what's that guy's name? The uh, Anthony Joshua. He beat Anthony, Anthony Joshua. Yes. And it's like you see Joshua, and he's like just ripped, like an Adonis. And then you look at Andy Ruiz. He's like this pudgy dude, and you're like, oh man, he's about to get his ass beat. But he's he was in good fighting shape. Like he didn't look aesthetically like like an athlete, but he he was clearly in great fighting shape and had the skills. That's kind of how I look at Jokic. Like he he doesn't look great, but he's in basketball shape. He's playing in the end of these games, and I think playing in in Denver is honestly like a, a big advantage. Like you watch those games and they, they seem to be losing in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Like they've, they've won ugly a lot this year. And at the end of games, you'll see teams just lose steam. Like the, they beat the, the, the Sixers were beating the hell out of them for, for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, they get the, the nuggets outscore them by like 20 points. Like it was like 34 or 32 to 13 in the fourth quarter. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. And Jokic is all over the place involved in everything. And it kind of made me think of you when we were talking about, you know, as on the Sixers, you worry about who's going to close games out for them. I'm okay with Embiid. You're a little nervous about it. And I kind of saw it. I saw it firsthand and Embiid was not executing well. They were really, the, the Nuggets were really focused on just having people around him. They weren't quite doubling, but they were always they always had the threat there. He was always thinking about it. They were kind of hedging halfway between him and and whoever else they were supposed to be guarding on the perimeter, especially with no Ben Simmons in that game. And uh and 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 it was effective for them on defense. And I was pretty disappointed in uh Tobias Harris in that game. As a max player, he just didn't leave his imprint on the game. You know, you think he's gotta make some closeout buckets. All right, I'm I wait, let me hold on. Wait, wait, wait. You're gonna say all that and I gonna let me jump in on my nuggets over here? Hold on. I I feel like I was uh I was getting off topic there. I was I was gonna bring it back. Go ahead. All right, perfect. All right. So Nug uh first off, Sixers, Tobias Harris. Like, how many games have you ever watched that Tobias Harris has really left an imprint on the game? I mean, honestly. Be honest with me. No, it's a good point. It's not that many. Like yeah. And even the ones where he gets 26 points, it's like, all right, 
Made some. He's jump- kind of like one of those guys. He'll, he'll jumpers. get score twenty six points, but he'll score like sixteen and, in the first half, and yeah. then like eight in the in the third, and then like two or four in the fourth. And it's just like, oh, you know how Kevin Durant would enter the fourth quarter with twenty, and you maybe only remember one or two plays, but it was a good thing. Tobias Harris enters the fourth quarter with twenty, and you don't remember any of his shots, and that's a it's a bad thing in his regard. Kevin Durant was so smooth and such a consistent assassin, and then turned it's it up in the fourth easy, quarter. Yeah. Tobias Harris is smooth and consistent-ish, and uh, then he doesn't turn it up in the fourth quarter. He doesn't. He doesn't bring the extra juice stuff. I, it's just my my eye test there, but whatever. Let's no, move I on. Agree. To, let's move back to the Nuggets. Um, two notes here. Oh, oh no, no. I wanna I wanted to say something actually uh, before you get back to it. Just to the point you made earlier about their away record. You were saying you know early small sample size. I actually think it's great that they're doing this well on the road this early. Like I think it's something they really keyed in on this off season because. To, to even start this well on the road, especially because I, I like I've watched them in, in a few games and it's like they don't really look like they have it all together still. But right. they're just a team who's been together, been around, and they just kind of have experience in winning those close games now. Absolutely. And you just perfectly led me to my first point. My first point was going to be a negative one about the Nuggets. And you kind of made half of it. I'm going to finish it off for you. Um, you said how they've been winning ugly. That, to me, if they're winning ugly, that means when they're going to uh, start clicking, it's going to start winning real pretty. But part of the reason why they're winning ugly is the opposite of what we praised them for uh, in this over-under podcast before the season started. We talked about how good their bench was, their depth, their backup backcourt with Monty Morris and Malik Beasley. Like Those guys have not been stellar this year. They've been far from stellar. They have not been the guys who we got used to seeing last year just abuse second units and continuously make plays late in games, even with the first unit uh, on the court. So Beasley, Morris, Jeremy Grant's uh, been an an average uh, ad so far. He hasn't really hit his stride yet. So I think their bench, where we praised them for having this great depth, hasn't even clicked yet. So that's a negative uh, thus far, but they're also 7-2. and So when that bench starts to click, watch the hell out. The other thing that too many guys, they need to make some type of like three for one trade here. Not crazy. That's not a crazy thing. Also, Michael Porter starting to get a couple minutes here and there. I look forward to seeing more minutes for him. Uh, Where do they he, come from, though? <laughs> like they're usually late. They're usually late in games. No, no. I, I mean, like, where is he going to find more? Like, who, 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 who's going to take less? I don't know. I don't. That's a fair question. Malik Beasley, if he gets hurt, or I think he's banged up right now. He's game time decision tonight. Um. I don't know, but what my positive was going to be is Paul Millsap. I mean, his stats aren't flashy, but I've watched a good number of Nuggets games already this year, maybe like four or five already, and uh, Paul Millsap looks explosive. He looks way healthier than he's ever been as a Denver Nugget, and he's finishing dunks. He's making the great, smart, savvy plays that we got used to seeing Paul Millsap make. I'm loving Paul Millsap's presence on this team. He dealt with some injuries early in Denver. Last year in the playoffs, he did start to solidify himself as that consistent veteran presence who's going to do the right thing, hit big threes, put the ball on the ground, get to the free throw line, and do all that stuff. He looks back, and I didn't know he could get back to this athletic uh, version of himself because he's obviously over the hump of 30, but I've been loving what I've been seeing out of Paul Millsap this year, and he can be one of those keys to the Nuggets getting over a hump in the playoffs. All right, so real quick, who do you think the best team in the league is right now? Ten games in. The Nine, best ten games team in. in the league of what I've seen, not projecting forward, is... Oh, my God, it's so freaking hard. I'm going to go... Oh, my God. 
what a what a loser answer out of me right now, huh? I'm gonna I'm gonna say it is the I'm gonna say it's the Nuggets. I'm gonna say it's wow. the Nuggets. I don't really believe it though. The Celtics, like maybe. <sighs> I would. S- I don't I would th- say the Lakers. I don't think I, it's, the I don't really think it's the Lakers either though cuz like they're as much as they I would say the Lakers cuz they've had a couple games where like LeBron has really brought it like against the Ma- uh the Mavs on that Friday night game where it went into overtime and uh and AD has just been so consistent so far this year. He he's been he had like that 40-20 game where he's just killing it from the foul line. He had like 20 some points from the foul line in that game. They they and without like Kuzma for all of this, almost like for all of this. So True. It's true. Uh, that's probably the pick. I think that's going to – the one thing that makes me nervous about them is they keep playing AD at the four. That's really I, – I, I, I have some AD takes coming later this season. I'm, I'm not ready to bring it out right now, especially because we're running out of time. Right. Um, but I, we'll see how that team shakes out as the season goes on. All right, real quick, before we finish up here, Pete, I told you I had a, a stat I wanted to share with you. It's more of a stat line. Uh, and I, I'm going to read the stat line to you, and I want you to tell me who, who you think of when you hear this stat line. So a player in the NBA is averaging this right now. Uh, 10 games into the season so far. So the, they have uh, 28 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Who is that player? That would be, drumroll, Luka Doncic. That, did you know that? Did you know that already? Bro. Or is that just a guess? You don't think I'm on basketball reference just hawking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well played, well played, Pete. <laughs> So, but when I when I read that stat line, like over the in our lifetime, like when you hear that line, who do you think of? Maybe Russell Westbrook and LeBron mm-hmm. and not even Giannis, not even Giannis. I would say those two. Yep, I would I would have said those two. And that, that's uh, a, that's a singular stat line for James Harden, but James Harden would never average ten rebounds. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, so really, this is this is basically the take I want to get off on Luca real quick, and I'm, we're gonna let it percolate. And I just want you to you want everyone to know. Keep keep their eye on this as the season progresses here because this is going to be a heavy Luca podcast as the season goes on. All right, Love and it. I'm going to make no apologies for it. Why would you? Luca is about I'm going to say 85 percent of LeBron James right now in his second season, Mwah. and I think I think the 15 percent he's missing is just like all athleticism. I think it's like purely athleticism and just like intellect of the game and and understanding when to use like uh, pockets of energy throughout the game. You know, LeBron's gotten so much better at that as he's gotten older. And when he was younger, he didn't have to do it because he was such a freak. He could just go a hundred miles an hour the whole game. Uh, but I think that's when Luca really learns to harness that and, and kind of pace his energy out and know when to push and when to pull back. Uh, I think, I think he's going to be more consistent at the end of games. I've seen him get tired. Uh, and also just defensively, I think defensively is where like, some somewhere in that fifteen percent is just like ten of it is athleticism, right. two and a half is defensive acuity, and then uh, two and a half is just like pacing of, of his effort. He is top of the list to watch players in the league. I mean, he might be my favorite guy to watch in the league. I still can't get enough of LeBron, and even this late in his career, still can't get enough of James Harden. Even though some people think it's boring, um, and there's a couple other guys like Kawhi Leonard who I just I can't get enough of. But Luca. And think about who I just said. I just said LeBron, Harden, Kawhi, Luka. That's like that's how I look at this guy already. And his stat line's absurd. He's absurd. He's my favorite player to watch in the league right now. Uh, I love it. Luka all season long on the SBNY podcast. Uh, let me do my last thing here, Duff, and then I can say bye to you. Um, we're going to do a thing throughout the NBA Outsiders Sports Blog New York podcast season here. 
where we are going to start crossing off teams as we believe they have eliminated themselves from playoff contention. Then once we get into the later months of the season, we're going to start crossing off the teams who we believe are eliminating themselves from finals contention, and so on and so forth. So what we're going to do, an inaugural chop from the NBA, the first chop of our list of people who have eliminated themselves, they offed themselves, they jumped off the bridge, Duff, they're done. They have obviously never had a playoff chance, but because we're going to do this throughout the season, we got to start with the team that deserves the most hate right now, and that's the New York Knicks. Our word, John Lucas Duffy and Peter Kennedy, the Knicks officially off themselves from this NBA season, and here we are. Sad. Sad day for Knicks fans. Sad. And because Mark it down. They're November all, 12th. <laughs> there are 100%. Officially eliminated from playoff contention. There are 100% other teams we can cross off right now. The Charlotte Hornets. The Memphis Grizzlies. Well, well, well you know, we're going to hold it off to one to now. And basically, we're, we're still working on this, but what it might be, we might work it out as basically a eulogy for these teams. And yes. You know what? Okay, here it is. Here it is. We're crossing them off, and we're done talking about this team for the rest of the season. Obviously, it's not going to be the case with the Knicks, so we, we felt the need to throw it out now. Right. And, especially because it was topical. But moving forward, we're, we're going to do a little something with it. We're going to do a little more. We're going to do a little more, but we just need to let you know that we're crossing the Knicks off of the NBA list right now. If there was uh, the European Soccer League thing, they'd be dropped to the G League right now. Yeah, American <laughs> sports needs relegation. <laughs> All right, Duff, my man, as always, John Lucas Duffy on the Sports Bunny Air Podcast. Thanks for coming on, bro. Later, Pete. That's it. Here we go, Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Great Sports Blog New York Podcast coming at you. Unfortunately, people in this world, we really like to hear about negative stuff, even if we deny it. It's true. We can't get enough of it. And I think that's why the Knicks continue to be a national story in the National Basketball Association. I mean, they can't get something right. They can't get anything right. Get a coach most people like to hire. Still doesn't work. They want to fire him after 90 games. Is that the recipe for success, Knicks fans? I don't think I need to ask you guys, though. I don't think I need to ask the Knicks fans what the recipe for success is. Because uh, even though Knicks fans aren't perfect, there's some silly Knicks fans out there. There's some really smart Knicks fans out there. We think I think we all know that what's going on right now isn't working. It's not the answer. I don't even care, and I'm not going to get too deep into this yet because John Lucas Duffy is coming on in a little while to talk Knicks and talk some NBA stuff with me, and I'm going to do some football stuff here, but I don't even care if Fisdale's been doing a great, a terrible, or an okay job. I don't care. I don't think it's a good idea to fire a coach after 90 games. After your previous coach only lasted two seasons. After your coach before that. Only lasted two and a half seasons, but Kurt Ram is somewhere in the middle there. After you coached before that, Mike Woodson actually had a good little run and didn't quite get it done. After you coached before that, also had a nice season or two, but then started to fall off and boom, he's gone. Since 2008, I think I said it later in the podcast, I recorded the, the part with Duff. Um, I said nine coaches in this decade. It's seven if Fisdale goes down. If Fisdale gets fired and there's an interim head coach or a new head coach this season, seven head coaches in one decade. Think about that. 
seven in one decade. That's ten seasons. That's seven coaches. That's not a good recipe. And I'm going to leave it at that, and we'll talk about it more in depth later because the Knicks lost against the Bulls last night as you listen to this on Wednesday or maybe Thursday. But on Tuesday night, the, the, the Knicks lost to the Bulls handedly, went into the fourth quarter tied, lost by a 20-point margin or so. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, that didn't happen by the time me and Duff were talking. But it happened by now, why I'm talking here, why, as I pull back the curtain a little bit. But besides the point, because we get into the Knicks and the NBA stuff later, there are some positive NBA topics that do come later. Right now, let's talk about some football. I mentioned in the open how the Giants and Jets game was a little better than I expected. Not going to lie. I was pretty happy about it. I had a good time watching that game. And I actually took a shot or two on the Twitter on uh, Sportblog NYC. Said this comedy special on Fox is living up to the hype. Thought it was kind of funny, you know. There was a couple turnovers called bad plays, mixed extra point. It was a little ugly at times early. Uh, and it, it ended up being exciting and it ended up being a regular good old NFL football game, which is is fantastic for Giants and Jets fans to be able to, uh, you know, put your misery aside and just root against each other and see a pretty competitive, solid-ish game for a bit. Some big plays, you know, Daniel Jones made some nice throws. Sam Darnold made a nice run, some nice throws. There were positive things there, right? Yeah, sure. And I, I'm with that. I'm with that. And that's why when I did this podcast last week, and I'm talking about how Jets fans should not be blaming Sam Darnold. You can't on one hand turn around and say, this coach is trash, he needs to be fired right now, and then also say the quarterback is uh, the one to blame. Those things are not always hand-in-hand. You know, maybe uh, one guy's a little less guilty than the other. So I'm trying to tell Jets fans, I'm trying to tell Giants fans, you can't have it all right now. Not everything is, is fixed yet. You know, the, the Giants have to decide if Shermer's the guy. They have to decide if Gettleman's the one to run this team. Um, they have to decide if Daniel Jones is the guy, which I think they, they are, are there right now. And unless he continues to just be a turnover machine, I, I don't think that's changing. I think Daniel Jones is the guy right now, right? Jets a very similar thing. Sam Darnold is the guy, probably, unless maybe they get a one number one pick, probably, right? I don't know. I mean, I know what I think. I know that I don't think I would give up on Sam Darnold yet. I've seen him do too many good things. But besides the point for a quick moment, uh, most Jets fans believe Gase is gone. I know uh, Scott Wagonblast, good friend of the show, friend of the podcast. I love his podcast. We're on the Score Fans with All podcast. Fantastic fantasy podcast, by the way. Shameless plug, uh, even though they're friends of, the, of this show. I just love their show, Run Up the Score. It's, it's great. But he commented on a tweet on Sportblog NYC. Uh, basically saying how any excuse to fire Adam Gase is a good excuse. He even com- brought the Fizdale comparison there. It's like, you know, if the Knicks can fire Fizdale, I think that means the Jets can fire Adam Gase, and that's a win. So there's people out there who believe Gase should be gone yesterday. People that aren't liking Chris Johnson very much. Joe Douglas doesn't even have a fingerprint on this team, basically, at this point. Um, it's a very weird situation. But I think Sunday, for the Giants and the Jets, was a moment of bliss. It was a moment where you could watch a game that there were real NFL plays being made, some good for the Giants, some very bad for the Giants, and vice versa, right? Some good some good for the Giants, some bad for the Jets. Some good for the Jets, and vice versa. It was a time for us to, to sit back and watch competitive football with some bliss, right? 
It really was. It was very nice. It was very fun. It came down to the wire. And uh, I think that's what I was driving at last week. Not everything is broken with these two teams. Not everything is broken. This team is not the Redskins. Um, it's not really the Dol- well, the Dolphins, actually. You know, they just beat the Colts. You know, but in theory, we look at the Redskins, we look at the Dolphins, we look at the Bengals as true, tried and true, just tankers. Like, they want the number one pick more than the next. Dwayne Haskins is the only uh, reasonable young quarterback to consider in any of those three teams. And Dwayne Haskins, uh, you know, the coach got fired basically because he didn't want him, uh, amongst other things, Jay Gruden. Um, But the Giants and the Jets aren't quite there. Right? They have some things to hang their hat on. And that's what I was trying to uh, explain to everybody the other day. You have to, you have to take your hat and hang on it, uh, hang on the other positive things. You have to say when Daniel Jones is able to make these great throws down the field, that's a great thing. That's something that not everybody can do, and that's something we can build on. The turnovers are bad. Let's work on that. But this thing where he's able to make big plays down the field, that's really cool. I'm going to take that. And similarly with Sam Darnold, when he he's getting dragged down by a, by a D lineman, uh, tweaks his body around and throws a dart to a guy crossing his face uh, for like a 15 yard first down, beautiful play that is just unteachable. It's unnatural, and Sam Darnold is able to make those types of plays. He does that similarly with throwing the ball down the field, uh, escaping the pocket every now and again. There are things to hang your hat on here, and in that regard, I need to emphasize it with the Giants and Jets fans. Not a great season. I understand. It's a lost season in in regards to wins and losses. But in regards to moving forward, it's important to figure out whether or not to keep Gase, to keep Shermer. It's important to learn whether or not Douglas is the guy or Gettleman is the guy. But don't think this team, these teams are completely hopeless. There are things to be proud of. There are things to pay attention to. And there are things to hang your hat on. So when you watch Daniel Jones and you watch Sam Darnold, in between their struggles and in between some tough moments, there's going to be some good plays. And there's going to be some things where you can say, hey, you know what? When this offensive line gets figured out because we got the right coach or because we finally got the right GM and Joe Douglas, this is going to be good. We have something here. The hardest thing to fill in the NFL is a franchise quarterback role. And there is a chance, a decent chance. I'm not saying it's 98%. I'm not saying it's 22%. But I feel very confidently that both the Jets and the Giants are in that 60 to 70% range in confidence level that they have franchise quarterbacks who can be 10-year-plus starters in this league. And that is not an easy thing to do. We do say it's a quarterback league. We really do. I get it. But it's not always the number one quarterbacks in the league who are winning the Super Bowls. Tom Brady is an anomaly. He has the uh, the franchise. He has the infrastructure. He has the coach. Right now he has a defense. He has a lot of things as well as himself and his work ethic and his demeanor and leadership pulling in the right direction. But you look at Aaron Rodgers. You look at Peyton Manning. You look at uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees. These are the best quarterbacks in the league over the past 10, 15 years, right? They've all been in Super Bowls. They've all had like little runs. Aaron Rodgers has one, Ben two, Drew Brees one. It's not like these guys are in it every single year. Some of the other guys to make Super Bowls, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Cam Newton, Nick Foles. 
Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson. I mean, he if he continues what he's doing, he'll be approaching the Tom, the Tom Brady level. You know, Patrick Mahomes only made uh, one playoff because it's only his first year in his first year starting. But uh, is he uh, is he chalked in as a conference uh, champion, a Super Bowl appearance every single year? I don't think you could say that just yet. He's good enough. Will his teams be good enough? I don't know. So when you see Daniel Jones make a great play, throw a dime down the field, when you see Sam Darnold throw off a D lineman, throw a strike across his body to a receiver for a big third down conversion, hang your hat on it. Because all it takes, and when I say all it takes, I don't mean one or two things, but what it does take is figuring out some of that other stuff, making the right move, getting lucky on a pick or two. It's possible. It's very possible that Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold are good enough to be a part of very good teams. My confidence isn't 95% that their studs, all pros, going to make multiple Super Bowls. But my confidence is in the 60s. It's about 70 that these guys are 10-plus year starters, and that is hard to find and nothing to laugh at. So Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones got something going for you. Giants and Jets fans, or Jets and Giants fans. Let's figure out the coach. We'll see if Douglas can do a thing or two with this offseason. We'll see if Gettleman is still a joke this upcoming offseason. And we go from there. But there's important stuff that are solid on these two franchises, and we're able to see some of it on Sunday when they played each other. Sports Block New York podcast. Peter Kennedy here, though. We're talking NFL. And hopefully you can see what I'm saying here when I talk about the Jets and the Giants. I'm not trying to tell you that it's all pretty, it's daisies, and it's a walk in the park and everything's great. It's not. We know this. We all know that it's not great, right? But it's not the worst. <laughs> it felt like it was the worst a week ago. It felt like there was nothing a week ago, right? It felt like you were just a fan of no man's land, of the biggest dumpster fire in America. And I don't think it's quite there. It did feel that way. But looking at the long-term picture, there are some things to build with here. So not to say patience is a virtue and use some uh, cheesy cliche here, but this season's lost. We get that. But there are things to build on. And what we don't see with the Knicks is that consistent build, that uh, that respectability that you can gain around the league because you compete, because you play a, a strong brand of, of your game. You figure out what your strategies could and should be. Those things are all positives that help in the future once the offseason get kicked off, the draft get kicked off, uh, and the Jets and Giants have chances and they have a good piece in Daniel Jones and Sam Donald to make those opportunities come real life. All right? So let's now talk on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Don't forget, if you like the show, to hit me up on Twitter at Pete Kennedy with two Y's on the end, Sports Blog NYC, or on the Apple Podcast app, which is like my favorite thing ever. I said it in the open. I'll say it again. Uh, it's my favorite thing ever. Somebody drops some stars in there, hopefully five, usually five, uh, and then they leave a little comment. You know, love the show. Love the NBA. Get some more on there. Uh, you know, a little too much NBA talk for me, but not bad. Let's hear some more football. That, all that stuff, whatever you want. Constructive criticism, uh, encouragement, love, hate, anything. Love to hear from you guys. Send me up. Apple Podcast app, Sports Blog New York Podcast. But now it's time to talk about some of these teams in the NFL because it's, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy out there, man. It's crazy 
out here in the NFL. The New Orleans Saints were at home 14-point favorites at the Falcons. Not only do the Falcons cover, which, uh, humble brag, I actually like that game a lot. I love that plus 14. I hit it. I'm proud of it. I'm going to say it. But, <laughs> I mean, I'd be lying straight through my teeth if I said I thought the Falcons had an inkling of a chance to win that game. The NFL is crazy. It really is. Take that game Monday night, for example. Somehow, Russell Wilson got three chances in overtime. How many times do people get three chances in overtime against a defense like that in the 49ers that they looked great, not quite like they've looked against some other teams in the league because the the Seahawks are... They have Russell Wilson, (laughs) let's just say. The dude's a magician, and it's incredible to watch. Um, But every week now, as we approach the double-digit weeks, we just had uh, week 10, entering week 11, uh, we learn more and more about each team. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. Uh, Maybe two steps forward, one steps back. All sorts of things are going to be happening over the next three weeks, and it's incredibly important. But when you look through the league, you look by division, by uh, overall record, whatever you want to do, there are a lot of teams out here that are, that are no joke. They're no they're no joke. I don't know how else to put it because I'm not trying to say that there's 12 Super Bowl contenders, but there might be 12 teams that can beat anybody on a given Sunday. And that, like that's that's something the the NFL has above all their leagues. Now granted, you know, the Cavaliers almost beat the 76ers last night and uh they're not even close when it comes to talent. But there's 82 games. It's understandable for the Sixers to be off uh, one night out of 82. But when it's 16, you really expect these teams to be on top of it every Sunday because it's once a week. It's this, it's that. But the Saints showed us after the Saints with Teddy Bridgewater dominated, or not dominated, but won and dominated some matchups. Drew Brees comes back, looks sick, and then come out against the Falcons who can't do a thing right uh, so far this year. Come out and beat them handedly, handedly. It's really, really crazy, and it's so fun to watch uh, when you think about the NFL from that regard. But what I want to talk about here is just thinking about who are who's who's in the bubble, who's in that Super Bowl contender bubble, firmly inside of it, uh, and who's right on that outskirt, who's who's one win away, who's maybe um, getting a little healthier away from being back in the bubble or, or bur- bursting into the bubble, however you want to phrase it here. So let's do the obvious ones first, and let's get it out of the way. The New England Patriots, number one. Boom, they're in, right? We know this. That's great. We uh, What else do I got to say about it? Not much. Um, they're in. And now the next one that I need to say is in, and I feel a, w- a little weird saying it because on this podcast multiple times amongst friends on Twitter – uh, um, with my own personal gambling escapades, I have been so wrong about the San Francisco 49ers. I remember uh, when we had the Bills and the Niners undefeated. It was right before the Bills took on the Patriots. I'm sitting here on this podcast, and I'm talking about these two teams. And I'm like, you know, the Bills got that really good defense. Uh, Josh Allen does just enough. He could run. He gets great red zone conversion rates and all this crap. And I'm blabbing and blabbing. And not like the Bills are some sort of slouches. They're not a bad team. They're not that great, but they're not a bad team. 
but I couldn't have been more wrong because I was ripping on the Niners. I was like, yeah, they got lucky. They played Jameis Winston, who can't help but turn the ball over. They played the the Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger. They got this easy team. They got that easy team at the right time. They got that. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers are no joke. That defense is out of control. Nick Bosa was, like, really quiet on Monday night against the Seahawks. I don't know if it was a like the main plan of the Seahawks de- uh, offensive line strategy to just take him out, but he was pretty quiet. Yet other people on the defense were laying wood all night. <laughs> they were hitting. Obviously, they had the defensive touchdown from Buckner. Uh, Russell Wilson, a guy who doesn't make a lot of mistakes, fumbles, throws a pick. I mean, this defense is no joke, the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, is he ready to win a Super Bowl? I don't know. Probably not, right? You you probably could pick some other quarterbacks over Jimmy Garoppolo right now in the last drive, as you saw against Seattle in the overtime in the fourth quarter. He wasn't quite as crisp as he is in the second quarter, third quarter, as he was in those final drives, which is understandable. Guys started like 20 games in his career, you know? If that. I don't even know what the number is. It's not very high. But nonetheless, the Niners have earned, in many aspects, the uh, respect of being in the Super Bowl bubble. Now, moving on, the Seahawks are in. They're in the bubble. They're back. They might not win the division, but goddamn is everybody hoping they don't play him in the playoffs. Russell Wilson's at the top of his game. He has never looked better. The run game is strong. Hopefully Lockett's healthy. Josh Gordon with huge catches. Uh, Will Disley, all-pro level tight end for a stretch of this season, goes down, and this guy Hollister comes in and is just crushing. The Seahawks are no joke. Their defense was flying around. That was the best and most physical football game that I've seen in maybe years between the Seahawks and Niners. And when you think about the Niners and their fantastic defense, the Seahawks defense stepped up to the challenge and said, we're no slouches. Come at us. We're going to knock you down. And they did just that. They earned my respect. They're in the bubble. Next, the Green Bay Packers in the bubble. They're not a perfect team. They're not. You know, their defense uh, gets a little slashed every once in a while. You know, they get big plays on them. The run, the run game or the run defense, I should say, hasn't been super consistent, hasn't been stellar. They get pressure on the quarterbacks and look great. And then they're not as great, not as electric. Defense is good, opportunistic, aggressive, but not quite as consistent as you would love. Um, but they have Aaron Rodgers. They have Aaron Jones, who's been awesome this year. Devontae Adams is back and healthy-ish. Uh, these other guys are good enough for Aaron Rodgers to make plays. Packers are in, right? Not a lot of debate there, in my opinion. That's already four teams, my friends. That's four teams already. And another team in the NFC North, I think, has serious contention this year, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. Boy, does that defense fly around. I mean, did you see them against the Cowboys the other night? Holding Zeke to that? I mean, granted, Dak Prescott got his, right? Dak Prescott definitely got his when it came to that Sunday Night Football game. But uh, when the Cowboys' game plan 90% of the time is make sure Zeke gets his so Dak could then, you know, add to that and the offense will be very dynamic and do great things as we've seen in the past. The Vikings were like, nope, Zeke, not, not tonight. Not tonight. That defense is legit. And if Kirk Cousins can be a man and make plays late in games – and Thielen gets healthy, Diggs can do some things, Dalvin Cook continues to do what Dalvin Cook has been doing. Uh, they're a scary team. I don't think anyone wants to play them, God forbid, in Minnesota 
or in indoors because Kirk is clearly better indoors. Also in the NFC to stay there for a hot second, the Saints. I think they're they're right on the bubble. They're not they're not in. They're not on the outside looking in. They're like teetering the curve of the bubble. The the Saints are a weird team to me this year. I I, I haven't been super impressed with them. Like, week in, week out. Michael Thomas having a great year. Kamara's been a little injured. Obviously, Drew Brees was out for a bit, and Teddy didn't really miss a beat. There's a little bit of spark missing with the Saints. They've had some amazing defensive performances, holding the Dolphins, I mean, the the Cowboys, to one of the worst uh, offensive performances they've had this season, if not the worst, probably the worst. Um but there's a little spark missing with the with the with the Saints. I don't know if it is Drew Brees. Clearly, a week ago he went off. This week he did not against a seemingly bad defense. Uh, but he could turn around and put up sick numbers, like next week, obviously. So the Saints aren't in the bubble. They're not firmly in the Super Bowl bubble for me. But they're teetering the cusp of it. They're on the cusp of the bubble. They can see both sides and uh, can easily see them on the inside before it's all over. Now, next is a complicated one, the Chiefs. I'm going to put them on the same spot as the Saints. The Chiefs are teetering the cusp of the bubble. They're not firmly in it. Their defense is not good enough. They're a little too reliant on Patrick Mahomes and uh, to steal from Colin Cowherd, whose take here I thought was very smart. He got reminded of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the past. So when the Packers haven't had their best seasons, it kind of felt like they were just like, hey, our defense is going to be below average. Aaron, go win us games. And that's what it kind of felt like watching Mahomes uh, post-injury here. Did not feel like that watching Matt Moore and the Chiefs. So to see what they do in the next couple weeks moving forward, um, especially if when they face off against a team like the Chargers uh, and some division stuff with the Raiders not being bad, the Chargers getting better, and obviously some other teams like the Patriots, the Ravens, Steelers not being slouches and the Texans being solid in that AFC. It's important for the Chiefs to not fall too far behind because they're going to want some home, some sort of home field advantage if they can get it. And right now, it's not looking fantastic for that. But thankfully, the AFC isn't quite as strong as the NFC, and they're beating up on each other just a little bit, so they have a chance. And now, two teams remain, in my opinion, who are worth mentioning here. And unfortunately, one team I really liked, I think, is out. I think they're not. Even they're not even close enough to see inside the bubble. It's the Indianapolis Colts. So that reminds that not reminds that leaves me with two more teams here to mention in consideration for Super Bowl contention. And I'll start with uh, the Houston Texans. I think we've been talking about Lamar Jackson, uh, who you know, spoiler alert, the Ravens are the last team I'm going to talk about. Lamar Jackson and you know maybe Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and all these people. Christian McCaffrey has gotten some love uh, for MVP, right? All these people are getting shouted for MVP. Deshaun Watson, man, have y'all seen this guy play? He makes insane plays. He is similar to Russell Wilson, and saying that is just, I mean, that's crazy. To, to even be in the same conversation as Russell Wilson uh, when it comes to playmaking, when it comes to improvisation, to, when it comes to late-game magic is something special, and Deshaun Watson is more than deserving to be in this conversation as the most electric quarterback, as one of the best quarterbacks, and as a guy who can carry just about any team into Super Bowl contention. Now, the Texans do have some flaws. You know, their run game isn't fantastic. Their offensive line uh, has maybe worked its way up to average, right? They're not great, but they're not as bad as they were. 
Um, in the defense, obviously they lost J.J. Watt, but they do have some playmakers out there on defense. They're not, uh, they're not great. They're not terrible. But my point here is, is that Deshaun Watson is the um, elite level of quarterback that can make up for flaws. He's that good. And when DeAndre Hopkins gets rolling with Stills and Daniel Fells and high Duke Johnson combo back there, I think Deshaun Watson could get this team to play a close matchup with just about any team in the league. Now, uh, we, we know about the Texans and their woes with the Patriots uh, in the playoffs. So if the Texans can stay away from New England when it comes to playoff time, I don't see why the Texans can't compete with the Ravens. I don't see why they can't compete um, with the who, – who am I missing there? The Chiefs can't see why they can't. After we see that the Chiefs are—they're human. The Chiefs are human. They're six and four. They've lost four games. Granted, Mahomes is hurt for a little bit of that. Chiefs are human. No reason the Texans can't compete with anybody in the AFC. And last but not least, the Baltimore Ravens—they deserve the love they've been getting the love, and that's part why I left them for last because they've been getting all sorts of love. But it's important to bring them up, and it's important to say they are just on the inside of the Super Bowl bowl for me. Just just on the inside, I think they're the first ones who can get knocked out. If they have like a really brutal offensive performance, which is hard to imagine right now, but if you think about what the Chargers were able to do to them in the playoffs last year, it was the second time they saw them in a short amount of time, second time they saw Lamar Jackson. It's going to be very interesting to see what these in-division opponents can do. Now, clearly the Bengals stink, so count them out. But the Steelers and the Browns, the Browns already beat the Ravens once. Um... What's going to happen on the second flip after their 16 weeks of film on the Ravens? Will they slow down on offense? Because right now, they are not your uncle's Ravens. They're not your grandpa's Ravens. They're not built on defense and traditional run game. Because they are built on some run game. Ingram, Gus Edwards, and Lamar, of course. But this team's offensive, man. This team lays the pounding from the offensive standpoint. They're the leading offense in the league, if I'm not mistaken. And Lamar is... Reason A, B, and C for that. Uh, not getting into coaches because obviously they have something to do with it. Lamar is in the MVP conversation, 100%. And he's extremely fun to watch. And I do think a Harbaugh coach team, a John Harbaugh coach team, they are good enough to compete. I'm not ready to put them next to the Patriots or even next to the Niners or the Packers or maybe not even the Seahawks just yet. But I think they're right there. They're, I think they're a slight bit better than the Saints. I think they're a slight bit better than the Chiefs right now. And I think they're in striking range of anybody in the league. Clearly, they, they came and beat the Patriots the other day, a couple weeks back. They're not to be messed with. We know this. They're electric. We know this. Lamar's great. We know this. But what's important to them is how they finish. Do they continue to get better and to add to their game? Or do they get a little stale? Do people start to figure them out a little bit, make it harder on them, and then once playoff rolls around, it gets even more difficult? That is the question. Because unfortunately in sports, and I use this phrase a lot here on the Sports Blog New York podcast, it's not like the American justice system. In American justice system, you are innocent until proven guilty. And in sports, 99.9% of the time, it is the exact opposite. You are guilty until proven guilty. Innocent. The opposite. You are a choke artist until you are not a choke artist. You don't just get, you know, thrown as the king of clutch without doing it. So Lamar Jackson has been sick. He's been electric. 
that run against Cincinnati was one we'll see on highlight films for years and years. But you are not just innocent in this league. You are always guilty. You are always doubted until you do it. And that's why I put someone like Russell Wilson ahead. That's why I think there maybe I think maybe the Ravens are more like the 49ers. I think I would even take the the Seahawks above above both of those guys. Cuz when you never done it before, it's a reasonable doubt. It's a reasonable doubt. But when you think about this NFL right now, there are loads of good teams. And there are teams that are not to be messed with. Week in, week out, a lot can change every single week. To recap quickly, these are my teams either in, on the cusp, or just outside the bubble. AFC, we got the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Texans. That's basically one division, by the way. I think the Chargers are maybe kind of close, and that's really it in the AFC. In the NFC, we're loaded. We're absolutely loaded. I didn't even mention the Cowboys and the Eagles. I think they have a chance to get in that range. They just haven't shown enough yet, and they're a little guilty right now, both of them. So I'll leave them both out. But we got the 49ers and the Seahawks. We got the Packers and the Vikings. And we got the Saints. A lot of good teams in the NFC. A lot of good teams in this NFL. Can't wait to see how the rest of the season folds out. Um, <laughs> and I can't wait to see what we're going to end up seeing this playoffs. It's going to be electric. Will we see a passing of the torch? Will Tom Brady age? We don't know. We don't know. Because right now the Patriots are sitting pretty. They're sitting on top. Looking at home field advantage once again. But that's it, man. That's the NFL. I can't wait. I can't wait. But thank God I just got to talk about the NFL a little bit because uh, it got me off of the Knicks for a little bit. And that uh, miserable situation has not been pretty. It has not been great. But it's important to talk about it because there's things that need to be said about this situation. And who better to talk about it than my guy, John Lucas Duffy, a guy who's grown up in this area, who's not a Knicks fan. And Knicks fans, I'm telling you, Sometimes you got to hear the opinion of an outsider because we need to be smacked in the face with the truth. <laughs> and I try to keep it real myself, but I, I, I got to admit, I'm biased sometimes. I think right now I'm being level-headed. I think I'm clear-headed. I think I'm doing a good job, but you never know. And that's why we got to talk it out. And that's why we got to sit here in our misery and just and just try to figure figure something out, something to hang our hat on, something to look forward to, something that uh, seemingly... The Knicks front office can't figure it out. But that's all right. Because hopefully you enjoyed this episode here. Hopefully the Knicks start to do something positive. I mean, I'm not getting my hopes up too high after that performance against the Bulls on uh, Tuesday night. But also, if the podcast order felt a little off to you, I mentioned in the open, just a reminder, I did make a last-minute audible here to put the NBA stuff in the beginning of the pod. So if the order felt a little weird, a little wonky, I apologize, but hopefully you got the gist of it and you enjoyed the talk today. You enjoyed what we got to talk about uh, with the Knicks, the NBA, the Giants, the Jets, and the NFL Super Bowl bubble, according to me, Pete Kennedy. And hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Sports Blog New York Podcast, as always, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me when you guys get to turn it on and listen and, and let me know that, that you're liking it. That, that's the best thing ever I can hear. So y'all have a fantastic Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, whenever you're listening to this. And we'll be back with more. SBNY content uh, in the future, in the coming weeks, as the NFL gets even more serious, and hopefully the Knicks don't continue to just straight blow it. That's it. Pete Kennedy signing out on the Sports Blog New York podcast.